Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's up. Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Joining me today is David Johnson. Works with me at the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, along with David, is Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. I think, maybe outside of David, the guest that has appeared on this podcast more than anyone else. But leading into Mike is David. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Oh, doing great, doing great. Getting ready for the Grove Bowl, man. We're less than a week away. You fired up? You fired up for some Grove Bowl action? Uh, you know what? I'm always fired up for the Grove Bowl, but this spring there have been so many injuries that, uh, you know, there's not a clear picture of exactly what you're going to get next Saturday. Um, you know, basically, uh, I mean, your receiver core has been decimated this spring with minor nagging type injuries. Uh, So, you know, it's hard to judge those quarterbacks because of who they're throwing to when we watch them scrimmage every Saturday. Uh, I can tell you this past Saturday, I thought Matt Corral's timing with his receivers, particularly on the deep ball, was a little bit off. And, uh, you know, basically it's because he's throwing to some guys that – aren't his primary targets, aren't the guys that he works with the most, I think. I think that's exactly what's uh, what's going on out there. And then when you look at that offensive line, uh, with Ben Brown being out, you know, such a major piece of that offensive line has caused some shuffling up front. It really kind of clouds things, Ben, as to how that O-line is going to shape out, you know, this fall. If you were an Ole Miss fan listening to this right now and you were on the fence – about making the trip to Oxford to see the Rebels in action for the first time since the fall. What's the sell here? What's the sell for the Grove Bowl? Because it's not particularly well attended every single year. Didn't have it last year, obviously. But then you look at Alabama over the weekend, I think they had something like 47,000 people in Bryant-Denny. Now, Ole Miss is not going to get to 47,000 people, but I still expect a good showing. What, though, is the sell for Saturday? Is it just going to be a glorified scrimmage? Yeah, so somebody told me the uh, the staff, which has never coached a spring game here at Ole Miss before, was kind of expecting those numbers. And uh, I, I, I'm like you, I don't I don't see that materializing. But um, you know, the sell is that this is a football team. When you look at its schedule this fall, you know, the, the schedule is conducive to this team winning eight or nine games. I think. Um, you know, we know what they can do offensively, and spring is not a good picture of that, again, because of so many injuries out. You know, but the thing that I, I get the feel for, and I'm trying not to overshoot here, is that that defensive unit is going to be much better. I see depth developing on defense. Uh, you know, you take, for instance, a guy like uh, Mohamed Sonogo, Momo Sonogo, who in some past seasons has been a major part of that defense. Ben, I haven't seen him take a first-team rep all spring. Now, I could have missed something, obviously, because we've only had, what, three viewings of the team for the entire spring. But uh, everything I've seen Momo do is is with the second unit. We all know he's a quality player. Uh, so, uh, you know, that kind of adds to the idea that they're shaping up some depth over there. There are some newcomers that are going to play major roles on that defense. Uh, I'm really enamored with Jake Springer, the transfer from the Naval Academy. Kind of playing uh, a lot of different positions in that secondary. Walks into the box every now and then. But, man, he's a baller. That kid is a tackling machine. 
and uh, I think it's going to be fun. Then you got kids like Mark Robinson, who have emerged out of nowhere into a rotational role on that Ole Miss defense. Um, you know, I've been a little bit, uh, and I don't want to say disappointed, but I think the uh, the two junior college tackles that we had such high hopes for this year, due to injuries, really haven't blossomed like we all hoped they would this spring. But I think they're coming, and I think those two guys are going to make a huge difference up front. I've seen Tavius Robinson become a better football player. I think he's going to be a factor. I mean, Sam Williams has a chance to be, uh, you know, one of the elite pass rushers in the SEC this fall. Uh, And all those defensive backs um, has created, I think, a fierce competition back there. It's making everyone better. And there are some newcomers like Tysheen Johnson, Kendrick Breedlove, uh, that are going to add rotational depth at the very least and quality rotational depth to the back end of that Ole Miss defense. So I would say if I'm trying to sell this thing, come watch Matt Corral throw because he's going to put up massive numbers this fall. And then come watch this new energetic, and I think what's going to be an improved Ole Miss defense. Uh, That would be my selling points. And uh, the fact that this is the, the gateway, this is the door opening to what should be an exciting and fantastic football season for Ole Miss fans. And also, it would look nice for all those recruits they're going to have on campus. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. They've been aiming uh, you know, their spring recruiting efforts to getting these kids in the stands for the Grove Bowl. Of course, the COVID-mandated dead period ends on June 1st, and we, we ought to somewhat get back to a normalcy in recruiting, having kids on campus every weekend, having camps and things like that. Uh, and, you know, they snuck some big timers in this past Saturday. Uh, you know, those two kids from Lee County, Georgia, both four-star prospects. We're talking about Kayshawn South, the uh, four-star offensive tackle, and Jaron Willis, four-star outside linebacker. Both of them, and we've reported this on the Ole Miss Spirit, say they're taking official visits back here to Ole Miss. And, you know, a little bit of a, uh inside track for Ole Miss, if you will. Don't You don't ever know how much it's going to weigh into it. But both of those kids are very good friends with current Rebels Otis Reese and Mark Robinson, who are also from Lee County, Georgia. So, uh, you know, these are two recruitments, I think, that uh, will be well worth watching. Both of them in the stands on Saturday. I was able to sit down and visit with both of them. And, uh, you know, they like what they're hearing from Ole Miss. So uh, I think the Rebels have a chance there. Look, we've talked about this before, but it can't be lost here how different last year's recruiting season was and the work that Ole Miss was able to get done anyway. And I, I don't think Ole Miss fans are used to what's about to happen in June, and that's a bum rush or just maybe a crash course again in what it used to be because the expedited timeline that is the December signing period. Well, now that June is rolling around and Ole Miss has only got two commitments, well, you're just going to see floods of visits and calls and texts and update after update. You're about to be a busy man, and I do not envy it. Yes, this summertime recruiting scene is going to be going to be crazy. I mean, I can see uh, I can see camps where you have four four hundred kids show up, you know, and uh, you know the difficult part of that in in terms of my job is you've got four hundred kids show up and. Uh, you got to sit there at the door to the Manning Center and try to figure out who's who and uh, who's worth talking to, who's not worth wasting your time on. And uh, that's really one of the most difficult parts of it. I it's love the worst it. part I of it. It's the worst, it. it's the worst part of it, man. I, I, yeah, I don't you, you've that. Yeah, you've done this before. Yeah. I mean, it's but, awful. But, but it's, it's so fun. awkward, though, Dave, because you're standing there it and they're awkward, walking man. in you're, and, and, you're, and you feel like a creep. It's like, hey, man. Uh, can I come talk to you for a second? I, just, I hate it. I hate it. I, I just dreaded it every time. Well, I go well, and the, and the worst thing is, you know, you see a kid walking in. He's six foot seven, three hundred pounds, and you go, "Okay, this has got to be, this has got to be a guy." And uh, you know, well, who do you have offers from? Nobody. Is almost talking to you? No, no, not really. Never heard from him. <laughs> you know, and you're going, "Oh my god!" Now I've gotten myself into a situation where I got to spend five minutes feigning interest. Yep in this recruit that uh, there is no interest in. I hated and, uh, that too. I no hated doubt. that part of it because they would go into the camp 
And a lot of these kids, like, look, they're not going to get discovered in summer camps. Now, there's a handful, but really, those are the exceptions, man. I mean, they're just not a lot of – they know who they're going after. They know who their top guys are, who their dudes are. So it's going to take a really impressive performance at the camp to even get them to feign interest in you, let alone get you an offer. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because uh, people don't see that side of it. And then, and then you always have you, every, every camp doesn't matter. You're going to have the dad that is going to hand you a printed out resume of his son, <laughs> a business card, uh, you know, how to contact him 24 hours a day. And uh, you know, it's that parent, that is out there searching for, you know, for the offer for their kid. That's not going to come at least not at this level. And, uh, you know, and he keeps going up to you four or five times during the course of the day, uh, you know, campaigning for you to do something on his kid introduces you to mom, the aunt, the uncle, the the grandparents who are all there. Um, yeah. I mean, creepy is kind of the word for, for, for some of these, uh, some of these situations and scenarios you get in when covering the camps. But with all that said, I cannot wait. It is my favorite thing we do at the Ole Miss Spirit is to go out there and meet these kids. And uh, I had a great time Saturday. I spent uh, half my time at the scrimmage patrolling the stands in the south end zone. And again, it's one of those situations where, okay, this guy looks like a recruit. This guy looks like a recruit. And, and you know, I, I, I hit about 600 yesterday on that. Only about 40% of the guys I approached in the stands were not recruits or football players, but looked like them. So, uh, yeah, there's a creepy, creepy side to it. And then, you know, you're calling kids. You're calling 17-year-old kids at night, you know, uh, trying to get them on the phone. And, and the longer the recruiting cycle goes – the weirder the process is because, you know, when it gets down to November, December, and it's decision time, a lot of these kids really don't know what they're going to do. And they don't want to talk to you because they don't want to say anything that is going to tip the scales, you know, as far as perception one way or the other. So uh, it gets harder to talk to them. And, uh, you know, you take a five-star recruit, and man, he'll, he'll call you as a ninth and 10th grader. But, uh, by the 11th and 12th grade, the fatigue is set in, and uh, he really doesn't want to talk about it anymore because he's telling this coach one thing and this coach another thing, and he doesn't want to come across as not being truthful to the guys who are recruiting him. It used so to it, be different. It's a weird thing, but it's it wasn't. Fine. It wasn't like that, I'd say, probably back in 2013, 14. It really started changing. I always point back to it, but the Cam Akers recruitment, that's when I felt like just recruiting in general, not just at Ole Miss, but everywhere else too, you just had kids – controlling their message more and announcing their mm-hmm. decision more. And the way we cover recruiting, the way we approach writing about these kids was completely different because you're right. Well, and that's a good are, example we, of telling everybody what they wanted to hear. Exactly. And we are held accountable for what we report. And even though you're reporting specifically and only what the kid has told you or what you're getting from your sources very often that's not good information and uh, you have to be extremely careful. And uh, yeah, Cam Akers recruitment, I hate to hate to even go back to that, but that was a prime example. I mean, there were several of us, you and I both were down there. We were just totally caught off guard. I, I, I mean, you know, I remember that night like it was yesterday when his mother came out mm-hmm. wearing a garnet colored dress. And uh, then Cam comes out with a gold tie and uh, I'm like, oh, oh, what's going on here? And people who were allegedly in the know were telling us 10 minutes before the event, it is Ole Miss. He has told me it is Ole Miss. Well, well, it wasn't. It was Florida State, even though he had told Ole Miss it, it was, was Ole it Miss. It was crazy. Well. And, and the thing is, it used to be that if you had a source like that in 2013, it was just Mississippi kids, but – Robert Kimdichie, Laquan, if you talk to someone like that, it was the truth. I remember in 2013, me and Yancey put in our predictions for signing day. Nine predictions. I went nine for nine. It changes in a year or two's time because these kids had taken over their recruitment. They've taken over when they release their stuff, when they make their announcements. 
graphics have come into play, but that Cam Akers recruitment retired me, and now I look at you, and, and I give you a lot of credit here because you handled this very professionally. Yeah, the whole creep factor is a part of it. We can't deny it, but you do treat this with a professionalism that is sometimes lost with a lot of other recruiting reporters, not to name any names. I couldn't do it only because I just can't take approaching a kid at a spring game anymore and be like, hey, man, so what's going on with your recruitment? But for all yeah, this, well, you know, it's a busy I mean, time. I mean, this is a bunch of kids coming in. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, next Saturday, <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to be <clears throat> really, really challenging for us because we've got a spring game to cover. But also, I mean, I'm expecting 40 to 50 real targets as far as recruiting goes in those stands and um you know the way things are right now until the, the dead period is alleviated is um you know you've got to uh you got to search them out they're not walking in the front door of the manning center they're simply in the stands like everybody else so uh you know a lot of our time next saturday at the grove bowl has to be spent on patrolling those stands. And I know I looked silly yesterday. I'm walking up and down the aisles. I'm looking at guys. I'm going, okay, this guy's got to be somebody. Let me go talk to him. And, um, you know, it, it, it paid off. I mean, there were some there were some big recruits there yesterday, and we've got stories popping on the Ole Miss spirit about all of them. Just weird times, Ben. It, it's strange times. And, and then we still don't know, and you and I talk about this all the time, what will our access be? This fall, will we get to do live in-person interviews, uh, you know, particularly after the games? Or are they going to keep everything on Zoom? And, um, you know, we don't know the answer to that yet. I don't really care, to be honest with you, because at this point, I figured out how to do this job without doing anything in person. I wonder how much of what we used to do is gone for good. I think there are some things that just can't be gone for good that have to come back. But there are some things like the midweek stuff where you're coming over for three minutes to talk to Mike Bianco. I mean, do that in a Zoom call. A lot of that stuff's going to stay. But the post-game yeah, stuff and just... practice stuff, that, that stuff that really matters, you got to be able to have in-person stuff. Because not necessarily, it doesn't matter about the access so much as the coach has got to know you. Yeah, there's definitely some of that. There, There's no doubt about it. You know, I'm just wanting consistency. And by, by that, I mean, look, there's 11,000 Apollo Swayze every weekend. Yet with every release, note release that Ole Miss does on softball, there's a policy about limited attendance. Uh, I mean, let's just get some consistency, okay? I don't think they're turning anybody away at the softball gate, but they still say, you know, seating is limited. It feels like they're taking a directive from the SEC or something. They just got to put it in there, and they're just turning them. Not turning yeah, blind eyes. Yeah, and that's what caring. I mean. Yeah consistency from the sec you know and and with a with a little bit more openness that that certainly needs to happen uh but but you're right we've had to over the course of the last year figure out how to do this job without in-person access and uh it's really not that difficult to it's be not. honest with you i mean that <laughs> it, 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 it's i've enjoyed myself in a lot of ways and i've told people this countless times i don't need access to do this job well if you know enough people and you built enough sourcing and relationships, you should be able to do the job well. And you're one of those people that's done that exact same thing. So it's not been that difficult. But I will say, as things start to return to normal, there are areas in which in-person stuff, just from a familiarity standpoint, um, and the coaches knowing who you are and your face and understanding that you're just not a person behind a screen or just some generic media person that they can roll their eyes at, that you are a human being that's been around, that's got some value that you can talk to them and they can talk to you. And there just can be some, you can be a conduit to the fans that um, it used to be like in a lot of ways. But again, I don't really care all that much, but I do care about the June open period and who all Ole Miss will be approaching. Now you've talked about a lot of guys. I don't know any of them. I fully acknowledge. That. I don't know any players right now, no prospects. So I'm coming to this completely blind. And that's why I brought you on. This is like a glorified extended recruit check here on Talk of Champions with Mike Clement coming up. So you tell me, because I'm like a lot of people that are probably tuned into this, 
If you had to name a top 10 most wanted list now, is there one or just put one out mm-hmm. there anyway? Just give me some names to follow. Well, I think, uh, you know, you start off with these two that, that drove to Oxford yesterday on their own dime. And that's, uh, that's Kayshawn Sapp and Jaron Willis. Um, look, both of those guys are huge prospects, high ranked four star guys with, uh, with, with an offer list that's full of blue bloods. They decide to come here on their own to watch a practice yesterday. Both of them say Ole Miss will get one of their five official visits. So, I mean, I think you can use that as a little bit of a barometer as to what kind of kids this Ole Miss staff is actually in on. But I also, I would caution this. I don't think you're going to see a wave of comments this summer because that's really not how this staff has shown they operated. Now, I know last year being a COVID year, everything was different, but I still think Lane Kiffin and this staff, they they certainly know what they're doing on the recruiting front. But, but And I think they're excellent closers. And I think you're going to see them close the majority of this class towards the end of the cycle. And so, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of ground gained over the summertime. There's going to be a lot of information flow because you're actually going to see which kids are showing up here on campus, taking their officials, coming to visit, you know, in the camp circuit. Um, you know, so you're going to get a much better idea with the next, within the next couple of months of narrowing down their top targets. And it's not easy to do. I mean, if, if you haven't noticed, Lane Kiffin and this Ole Miss staff, they like to throw offers out. There are a lot of offers out in this 2022 class. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's something that, that we need to save for a little bit later on down the road as to who their top guys are at this point of the cycle. Because, again, things are going to change. Right now it's been online dating as far as recruiting goes. They have not sat down with these recruits face-to-face. These recruits have not met them. All of that's going to happen over the summertime. And, uh, you know, there may be personality quirks that, you know, the staff looks at a guy and goes, well, you know, I don't think he's going to fit with us, and, and vice versa. So uh, I think we would be wise to let all of that play out over the next couple of months before we start trying to pinpoint a top 10 target list. They did so well in this last class without having any in-person activity. So, of course, there's going to be an expectation that they're going to take it even a step further. If you can finish in the top 25 like they did with no in-person contact, is it fair to say then that they could finish in the top 15? Is there going to be a tangible difference as far as how they recruit and the impact they have just by being able to get into a room with a kid? You know what the biggest impact this year is going to be? Year two with this staff coaching this program and success on the field. That is what they're going to have in their pocket this year, more so than anything else, because I truly believe this is a football team capable of winning eight or nine games this fall. And kids pay attention to that. They want to go to a winning program. It's going to be much like it was in the early years of the Hugh Freeze era where Man, Ole Miss became a destination spot for recruits. They didn't get them all, but, man, you would go to a camp out there on a Friday night, and it looked like the Army All-American game in terms of who was out there on the field. I think you're about to see that happen again here at Ole Miss where, you know, you're going to look out there and you're going to have four or five five stars, 15 or 24-star prospects every camp they have. And that's what excites me is the quality of player that I think they're about to start getting in on. Um, Look, nobody knew Sapp and Willis were coming to campus yesterday. And again, they drove themselves from Lee County, Georgia to Oxford, Mississippi on their own dime, could not talk to the coaching staff, could not take uh, any kind of athletic visit, yet they were here. And I think that says a lot about the job that Chris Partridge and, uh, and Randy Clements and DJ Durkins, Durkin has, has, has done with recruiting these kids. They've got their interest peaked. Part of it is because the nation saw an Ole Miss program last year 
that uh, got immediately better. And they're going to be better than that, I think, this fall. And I think that's going to be huge on the recruiting front. Huge. I mean, you know, there's a reason why winners keep winning. Kids like to play at winning programs. And uh, with what Ole Miss can put together this season, I think that's going to be the, the biggest trump card in their pocket is their one, win and loss record on the field this fall. Going to jump right back to David Johnson in this edition of Talk of Champions with Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, coming up on the Modern Woman phone line. After I tell you real quick, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say. Say whatever you want, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. So does David. OmSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Got a lot more to cover, a lot more recruiting, this extended recruit check with David. But I want to tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless, even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call, 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue, just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, Chrysler Dodge, Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. And Lane Kiffin is a walking brand. He's a walking Twitter troll. Yeah. Social media matters more than ever when it comes to recruiting. That's where kids are all putting out their information, be it their top 10, their top five, where they end up going, for Christ's sake. I mean, this is all about social media and who dominates social media is Lane Kiffin. And not to mention, when you throw out different stuff about potentially making Ole Miss a jump man school and stuff like that, that, that matters. Granting stuff like that matters to these kids. I mean, it's all about how you market yourself, and Ole Miss is a fun program right now. So I do like how you brought up that it's returning to that level of recruiting that we saw under Hugh Freeze, where it was, we can shop in any aisle here. Doesn't matter. We can shop in any aisle. The difference, though, I feel like with this staff, is they won't go from a Mike Juarez to a Sean Curtis. Yeah, that's a good point, particularly back in the, in the Freeze era. It was generally boom or bust. And, um, you know, I think, I think the depth of the, this staff's depth in terms of recruiting is, is, is better than what that staff was. Now, Freeze pulled in two incredible classes, that 13 class and the 16 class. Both and 16 inside the would have been 10. better if not for all that NCAA stuff going along. Well, that caused a, a, a mass exodus of, of a lot of those prospects from the 16 class. Uh, 
You know, you look back on that 16 class, ranked number five in the country, and uh, I think better than half of that class ended up transferring out of here. God. Um, isn't, isn't that something? I mean, That's it's nice. a, like, like um, you know, former offensive lineman Jack DeFore left, and, you know, Jack got married this weekend over hey, in Atlanta. And, yeah, and it was like a reunion of that 16 class. That, uh, you know, but a lot of them were elsewhere, you know, did not finish their careers here. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's one of the, the unwritten side effects of the NCAA situation. And, uh, you know, thank goodness all that's in the rearview mirror. Uh, Lane Kiffin and company have a clean slate. They're excellent recruiters. I'd argue one of the best recruiting staffs in the country. And uh, we're about to get back to those those kind of, recruiting events at Ole Miss, like in 2013, 2014, 16, and so on. Any positions in particular they have to hit on? Always the defensive line. I mean, it's kind of written in stone. Ole Miss never has enough defensive linemen, you know, except back in that, that 2013 period when they were 9 and 10 deep, 14 and 15, uh, seasons like that. But, uh, you know, defensive linemen, they're, they're at a commodity. I think they'll be a little lighter on defensive backs. They went heavy on DBs in the 21 class, uh, you know, you're always looking for offensive linemen as well. And, uh, you know, those two areas. And, of course, you know, it's Lane Kiffin's offense. You're going to always stockpile receiving talent. And, uh, you know, you, you really want a quarterback in every class. Um, you know, we, we've seen how drastically and quickly a quarterback situation can change. I mean, you know, this time last year, what were there? There are five quarterbacks in the room. Now, essentially, there are three. Um, you know, so, um, you know, I think you always want to, want to, want to get a, get a, uh, a good arm in every class if you can, uh, which may be kind of difficult in the 22 class because look, let's be honest, uh, recruits are smarter than ever. And they, all these 22 quarterbacks have their eyes on that 23 class wondering whether or not Arch Manning is going to come to Ole Miss and that's going to have an effect on quarterback recruiting, not only in the 22 class, but in the 23 class until Arch Manning makes his announcement. I think the one-year penalty free transfer is going to matter too because now it's more important than ever to make the right decision. Oh, yeah. Alvin Kamara was doing an interview, I think, with Shannon Sharp the other day, and he talked about how you know the best running backs just went to Alabama, and he gets on campus and he walks into a room and he's got Derrick Henry, just every single running back that had ended up at Alabama, and he's like, God, i got to get out of here because I'm never going to see the ball. Yeah. You know, And now kids, yep. yeah, you might have an Alabama offer. And that might be the place that you absolutely wanted to go, and it's the spot. But you also have to analyze every single depth chart. Yeah, you think you're the guy, but if you got a spot, not to say Ole Miss is lesser, but it is. So if you got a spot like an Ole Miss where you can go in and you don't have four guys to compete with, but maybe just one or two, you're going there. Because otherwise, you're going to be transferring out. And yes, you get to freely move, which is great. Freedom of movement is something we've all been wanting. Problem is is the portal, basketball is a good example, is becoming flooded with kids, and there's not going to be enough spots for everybody. There's not. Well, you you take a kid. Here's here's a couple of Ole Miss kids, for example. Grant Tisdale in the portal. Demarcus Gregory in the portal. Neither one of them, last I checked, have found landing spots. Mm. And, and see, here's the thing. You go, well, these guys were SEC recruits. They could certainly go play at an FCS program like Tennessee Martin, Jacksonville State, so on and so on. Well, yeah, of course they could. And, and you know, what, what's missing, Ben, is, is the cost of attendance stipend. You do not get that at the FCS level. And, um, you know, I think that's something to keep an eye on because, you know, these kids leave in Power 5 programs and not staying in, you know, major college football – a lot of them can't afford to go to, say, Tennessee Martin on a full-ride scholarship without any cost of living help. Yeah, but they think and they're that's, getting in that's... the portal and going to Florida, like Van Jefferson did, right? Or yeah, Shea Patterson yeah. going to Michigan. I mean, that's just not the case. If, unless you're a dude, unless – and let's be honest, tampering happens everywhere. Unless you know where you're going, once you hit the portal, you're in trouble. You are exactly right. But you bring up an interesting point. Um, all right, let, let's let's look at it like this. 
What does this free transfer rule do to the ranks of one AA football, FCS? Okay, because look, if there's a kid out there, let's just say a wide receiver, that I'm not going to take a flyer on coming out of high school because I'm not quite sure on him. If I if I'm if I'm at say Ole Miss, and that kid signs with Tennessee Martin. And as a true freshman at Tennessee Martin, he makes 80 catches for 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns. You don't think I might not take him now? Right. And he's free to leave Tennessee Martin. Do you not think he would leave? All he's getting is a scholarship there. He's not getting yeah. the $1,500 a month cost of attendance check. Hey, you come to Ole Miss, we can give you that full scholarship plus the money you need to live on every month. Golly, that's and, such um, a fascinating dynamic. Think about that. No, it's going to turn FCS into a farm system. Yeah, backups at Alabama, they're not going to be valued the same way as a superstar coming from like a Tennessee Martin or whatever it might be. They just balled out at Western Kentucky. Just pick a school, right? I mean, those guys mm-hmm. are going to be the ones that can move freely and are going to have all the offers. If you were a backup, and you didn't make an impact at a power five. I mean, sorry, tough luck. Good luck finding a spot. Probably not going to be one. Well, I knew it was going to happen. Lane Kiffin knew it was going to happen. He even said so. All these kids are flooding the portal. They're not going to be spots for all of them. And they're going to be left hanging out there. Um, You know, so when my kid went in the portal, Mm -hmm. we sat down and talked and we said, you don't need to carry this out you got seven or eight schools right now that are giving you an opportunity. you got seven or eight more that are kind of stringing you along, telling you to wait to December. Forget those schools. You go somewhere right now. Because at the time when Eli committed to New Mexico State, Ben, I think there were three centers in the NCAA transfer portal. By December, there were like 40. And, um, you know, so he, he, he got out of the portal in late October. And I think it was a very smart move because, again, there are tons of kids out there right now with nowhere to go or their only options being dropping down to the FCS level and not getting that cost of living check every month. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal on families. Speaking of talking about guys at lower-level schools, stepping up, getting offers, coming to Power Fives, is Ole Miss tied in even on campus yet? You know, that's a that's a good question. I I mean, if you want to look at things just, you know, very coldly and very uh, – or just look at, at things very coldly, no. I don't think he is because uh, – and that's not to uh, to knock anybody it's just the way that it is. is out there right now busting their butt because I do, I do see some ability out of Demarcus Thomas that he's certainly going to contribute this fall. But that tight end position in Lane Kiffin's offense traditionally is such a dynamic position. And um, I, I, I just I, – no, I don't think he is. I think you're going to see some portal action there at the conclusion of the spring. Yeah, me too. Well, last thing, I'll let you go and jump to Mike Clement. Tysheem Johnson and Markevious Brown, I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be. But when I went out there and watched practice, both of those dudes were getting reps, I think, with the second and first team. They looked really good. Those are the two guys I pick of this freshman class to really make an impact. Anybody in particular for you? Uh, I like Kendrick Breedlove as well back there in the secondary. And, uh, you know, and, and here's the deal. These guys don't have to crack the starting lineup this fall. That's right. Yep. All they have to do is be quality rotational pieces on the back end of that defense. And uh, I think you've got them. And I think, I think those are the three of this freshman class that are, that are going to see a lot of playing time. You know, Man, I'm also excited about A.J. Finley and Otis Reese. Uh, I, I think I think both of those guys are, are, are impact players. A.J. has just continually developed into a very fine safety. Uh, he's always you know, around I, the ball. I, I, always. He's always there. Always around the ball. Yeah. And, you know, you get the air. And I watched him. I watched him very closely yesterday on Saturday. You know, he's comfortable back there. He understands everything going on back there. And that is so important to play that safety position. And then Otis Reese, it's a freaking headhunter, man. And, uh, you know, he's always around the football as well. I so, love the uh, spring. You know, I, I love it because now, yeah, I'm completely buying Ole Miss defensive stock and watch it. It'll burn the shit out of me come the fall. But 
I'm buying it. That's the spring, though. That's what, well, you, that's what we do yeah, this for. I've, I've, uh, you know what? I've learned to you, you better not push anything too hard because uh, you're going to be reminded of it if it doesn't come come true. Now, if it does come true, nobody remembers that you said it. But uh, that's just that's just kind of how it goes. But I but I'm buying the defense right now too. I think. Uh, I mean, man, the energy, just mm-hmm. the energy. I mean, they're swarming. They're going to be fun to watch. You know. Last year, it was like, okay, we've got the ball. Let's pay attention. Okay, okay, the other team's got the ball. Let me go get a beer. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that way this year. You're going you're gonna to like what you see on the defensive side of the ball. And let's be honest here. Look, there are some key offensive parts that have to be replaced. And I don't think we're talking about that enough, okay? Kenny Yaboa, Elijah Moore, and Royce Newman, all right? All three of those guys could be in the NFL this fall. Uh, I think, you know, Elijah certainly will be. I think Royce certainly will be. I think Kenny's going to have a shot. But um, that's three big-time elements. And when you look at receiving yardage, it's a big chunk of your receiving yardage from last year. So you're going to have to have some guys step up or this won't be the same offense. But if it is just the same offense and this defense climbs a rung or two and gets, you know, upper middle of the pack in the SEC, Eight or nine wins. I, I can certainly see it. I mean, who do you don't what what games looking ahead that you would say, well, that's gonna be a loss? No, Alabama. I was talking about this with Bracken Ray last time um on the podcast, and we went through the schedule because he was like, Oh, well, you know, there's gonna be some games they lose. And I went through the schedule and I was like, All right, just say win or loss. And I counted it for him because he wasn't keeping an account in real time. And he picked him to win ten games, didn't even realize it. Cause the schedule isn't that yeah. hard. Now I have no idea and can't understand why in the world that Liberty game is still on the schedule in November. I just, I'll never understand it. There's nothing you owe Hugh freeze. Just get out of the game, but uh, whatever. Yeah, I get it. But I, I, it. I get the concern, Fine. but Liberty, do, Liberty does not have the horses. Okay. No, I just now, don't want to deal look, with the whole hoopla around it. There's going to be a lot of hoopla. There's no doubt about it. And freeze is going to have his team ready to play. Uh, and he's There's gonna no do doubt the about whole, that too. Uh, the redemption tour, uh, just whatever doesn't matter. All right, I gotta get to Mike Clement. He's David Johnson of the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and affiliate of Two Four Seven Sports at Rebels Two Four Seven on Twitter. Hey, thanks for coming on and talking some football and recruiting with me, man. I appreciate it. Always enjoy it, Ben. Thank you for having me. Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. He's coming up here in just a second on the Modern Woman phone line after the big series at Mississippi State this weekend. Before we jump to him. Let's hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the Bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to essentially 
the third co-host of this show. It's Mike Clement, <laughs> Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Hey, buddy, what's up? How are, how are we doing this morning? We're all doing okay. How y'all doing this morning? Uh, okay, I think is the is a is a is a solid descriptor. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's never uh, lose any series. Uh, Mondays Mondays aren't the best, uh, but especially that one. Um, it uh, yeah yeah losing uh, sucks the life out of you a little bit, but uh, we're halfway through, and uh, man, you better pick yourself up because uh, no one else is going to feel sorry for you. So uh, got to got to get back after it this week. Short week. I know. Obviously, when you look at the overall body of work, if I'd have given you twenty six wins, nine wins in the league, the league being as tough as it is. Y'all probably before the season would have taken it, but considering just how the last three weekends have gone, especially this weekend, having a lead in every single one of those games, all three games against Mississippi State, is there a different vibe or have y'all kind of flushed it and treated it as, okay, well, that happened. Let's move on. Well, I think we're probably in the process of the flush. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, as, as we record this, it's, it's Monday morning and we got practice this afternoon. Um, but I think, Man, I then I'd be I'd be lying if I didn't say you know it's gonna it's gonna take a day, um, and that's part of our job as coaches is um, to make sure uh, over the course of today and practice and everything else that it does get flushed because of what we talked about. You know, we got LSU coming to town on Thursday. Obviously, have a midweek tomorrow. Um, you know, those 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 are important. Like you said, the whole body of work, if you just look at it in a in a twenty thousand foot view, uh, is solid. But um, you know. We got to we got to find ways to win weekends, and uh, we ha- we haven't done that. We've played good competition. We've been in every single game. We've been competitive. All those things, but none of that really matters um, until you in, until you win weekends. And you know we're well aware of that. Our players are are well aware of that. And it's it's time to get back to winning weekends this weekend. I know one of the questions I always get after the Mississippi State series has been, do the coaches and players treat the Mississippi State series? like the rivalry? Does it affect y'all like it does them? Baseball is different. It is not football. It's not even basketball. But is there a little bit more sting when it's Mississippi State? Yes. The answer is yes. Um, You know, there is part of me that uh, wishes I could say no, um, that it's just another one. But again, uh, in in full disclosure, sure. Yeah, it hurts worse. It's your arch rival. Um, You know, it's... it's, uh, it, it, there is a little more to it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a two hour bus ride down the road and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, recruiting grounds. It's all of those things that, that, uh, that we all know. And, um, absolutely, absolutely. I would be lying if I said it didn't, uh, you know, didn't feel a little worse this morning. I've always appreciated when you come on this podcast, you've been real. We don't plan anything. We just sit down and talk and you're always straight up. And I know, and grant you that you don't have the sharp, you don't make the decisions. But last week, when we talked to Mike, he mentioned after Jack Doherty stuffed it on Tuesday that in regards to him being potentially a weekend option out of the bullpen, that he and his assistants, you included, would sit down, kind of make out what the options are. So how does that process play out, and how does it lead to Josh Mallett's being the first guy out in the sixth? Sure. Um, and again, as the as the offensive guy, I probably have less say in in in, in those decisions than I than oh well not probably I do have less say in those decisions than I do the offensive decisions obviously. Um, but with that said, I think some of it is is in game decisions between you know Laugh and and, and coach and um, trying to figure out what what matchups work best. Doherty um, that you mentioned you know was was really good last Tuesday. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't know if we've announced it yet and I'm probably not the right guy to announce it, but, um, you know, I think he'll go tomorrow and, uh, and, you know, he's, he's another, he's another piece. And, uh, he had thrown a bunch of simulated games. Um, and obviously hadn't seen any game action until, until last Tuesday. And, um, what he did was pretty loud, like he said. And so, um, I think it probably takes some time for him, him to work in there and us to see how he rebounds and those kinds of things. Um, but I think moving forward, what, what coach said is, is exactly right. I think he becomes a piece and, um, you know, the more experience he gets, um, that'll kind of dictate, uh, uh, what, what his role is. Uh, and, uh, you know, 
and what the pieces look like moving forward. I didn't phrase that question particularly well. It was more about the deliberative process of how y'all decide going into a weekend, which options yep. are first and kind of ranking your bullpen after you go from a starter and trying to bridge it to Taylor Broadway. How does that deliberative process work out? Yeah, uh, there, there is definitely a process that, that, that laugh and coach go through. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm on the periphery of that, of that. just, uh, you know, I, I, I get in, get in earshot and, and, and come in and make myself a, a piece of that conversation. Um, but I think it's all, it's all a process that, that, that we're trying to figure out. A lot of it probably comes down to in-game and matchups as opposed to scripting the weekend of, you know, the only thing that, the only things that are scripted for sure is who the, obviously the three starters are going to be. And then with this year's team and the makeup of it, um, we know who's going to end games, um, especially games that, that we have a lead in. Um, and then in the middle, uh, I think it becomes way more, and this is, this is probably on any given year, whatever year, you know, that in, in the last 20 that, that, that they've had their, their best bullpen, uh, all the way down to the, to the le- most least successful bullpen. Uh, I think it's way more about in-game and matchups and uh, hitter to hitter. Once you get in the middle, trying to bridge that gap, than it is uh, a true setup guy. There are certainly years that you can go back to, whether it be you know kind of their 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 2014 team with Laxer and Greenwood and Weathersby and those guys. Um, but even with that team. And again, I wasn't here then, but even with that team, I think it came down to matchups. And then moving past that, you think of like Weathersby, Will Stokes, Wyatt Short, and then you had Wolfolk and Caracy. And so some some years, um, there is it more of a traditional setup guy to get the ball to uh, the closer. But I think most years, um, at least in the six that I've been here, uh, the middle ground, that sixth, seventh, eighth inning type person, uh, it's way more about matchups and where the other team is with their lineup and those kinds of things. Is there a temptation when it's a year like this, when middle relief has been a little bit of an adventure, not a little bit, it's been an adventure. Is there ever a temptation yep. to perhaps experiment with an opener like Taylor Broadway opening on Sunday? Is that even a consideration ever? Um, it hasn't been in our discussions. Um, well, at least the discussions that, that, that I'm involved with, um, I, I don't think I've heard um, outside of uh, Weathers, and this was not, this doesn't directly answer your question. Uh, the only one I remember even being remotely like that was 2015. We were um, not terribly deep on the mound, and Weathersby went from pseudo closer to starter. He started uh, a game in the Governor's Cup, and uh, we won, won the game big like 11 to one or something like that. And he pitched great. And then he turned into our Sunday guy and really kind of uh, saved that season and got us into the postseason and all of that uh, with a really young team. Um, but past that, uh, I don't recall thinking let's, let's do the opener. Obviously we faced it. Uh, you know, Florida did that to us a couple of weeks ago um, and it's becoming more prevalent. Um, but I don't, we haven't discussed it, at least the, the discussions I've been in on from, from the pitching side of things. Look, you know, I like to nerd out with you. You knew a question about the opener when you come and talk to me. It's probably going to come <laughs> at some point. But here's the thing. In the same vein as Weathersby taking over on Sunday and kind of saving that season, however you want to phrase it, it feels like with yep. this group, yesterday was a turning point as far as somebody emerging in middle relief that stabilizes that need area, the most obvious problem area, middle relief, be it Wes Burton. Josh Mallett's got the first crack at it Sunday. It didn't work. But now you got Wes Burton that could potentially do it. Maybe Jack Doherty, he's the starter in the midweek, but he could potentially be an option like that. Whoever it might be, that's where not necessarily a season saver, but someone that can stabilize the need could emerge. That's where the opportunity is. Yeah, I think think you're – you're going in the right direction. And, and I think that's, that's accurate. I think the other guy um, that has to be a piece of, of all of that, that you're, that you're talking about is Derek diamond. Um, the stuff is too good um, to, to get him going again. I think he could be a really, really key piece um, to the pen with Drew, with Drew now starting on Sundays. And, and again, I don't think I'm overstepping my bounds, even as an offensive guy, um, talking about that. I think if, if you were talking to laugh or talking to Mike, I think they would say the same thing. I think 
he's another guy along with the names that you mentioned with Doherty and, and Burton um, and, and, and the guys that we know about. I think the other key piece uh, in that mix that we got to get going is, is Derek Diamond because his stuff's too good. And even in a short stint, um, save Friday, if you start thinking about some of his starts early in some of his starts, even um, the stuff is really loud. You know, he probably has the highest average velocity fastball um, that we have on our, on our team. And so I would think in a short stint, he could be super effective. Yeah. And when you look at spin rate, it's up there amongst the very best on the team, especially early when he's stuffing it. It's just a matter of location for him. It seems like just not that's right. missing no, I, in the middle of the plate. That's right. I, I think that's and, 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 and when you say exactly what you said there at the end, when you say location, it's less about him being a ball thrower and more about, like you said, um, staying out of the middle, which was kind of Broadway's issue years ago when he first got here two years ago. Um, he threw, if, if there is such a thing, he threw too many strikes. Um, you know, and, and typically it's the reverse that you have the issue with. Um, but, but I think, I think you're on to, on to something there with, with what, what you're talking about with Diamond. Now, number one in spin rate is Gunnar Hoagland, and man, I feel bad for him because Friday nights offensively, it's been a struggle the last three weeks. What do you kind of play into that? That's your spot. You're the hitting guy. So when you look and yep. try to diagnose what's going on on Friday nights, is there anything outside of they're just facing the best pitcher that every team, yeah, I mean, team I, throws at you? Right. I think, I think well, first and, and, and most obviously, that's it. Um, you know, and again, I look at it two different ways. One from the, like I said, the 20,000 foot view, where if you look inside of the league games, here we are halfway through, um, outside of home runs, we're first or second home runs and stolen bases. We're first or second in the league in uh, almost every offensive category. So that's really positive. That's good. Um, we're getting production up and down, um, and surprisingly, uh, pleasantly surprised, um, that with the loss of Elko, uh, our offense has still been really productive. And I think it goes to the last time we were talking about, um, probably three different guys talking about Baker and, and Leatherwood and Van Cleve starting to, starting to turn the corner a little bit, but specifically to your question on, on Fridays, you start to zero in on that a little bit. Um, and we can be better and should be better. One thing we do is we take our walks, uh, our on base percentage as a team, I think is, you know, hover somewhere right around 400, which is exceptional, but we need to do that on Fridays too. And just be able to grind out. That's a little bit better. I think, you know, not, I think, I know Fridays are the most low scoring games for sure. Um, and that's going to be no different until the end of time. I mean, the best pitchers are throwing on those days, um, but we can be a little more productive. We got to find a way to, you know, get to five or six runs instead of be get stuck on two. Um, got to find a way to grind out a walk in front of the Kansas solo home run to make it a two run home run, you know, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, we need to, we need to be a little bit more productive. We know the production is going to be a little bit lower on Fridays, but uh, it can certainly be better than what it's been. When I talk to you, it's my only opportunity because Mike would just roll his eyes at me and he should, but with you, <laughs> I get to nerd out and it's something I love TJ McCants. Okay. Look, I cover you guys. I'm as objective as possible, but I love baseball and I love TJ McCants. And I was looking at it over the weekend. I was like, man, if I were in that dugout, thank God I'm not because I'd be horrible. But if I were in that dugout, I'd be so tempted to just lead off TJ McCants and leave him there and then bat Kevin Graham behind him, then Shatney, then Dunhurst, then go to Gonzo and turn my lineup over that way. Maybe I'm just fanboying it too hard here with McCants. But I would be tempted to just let that be my guy. Uh, I think the argument is solid um, with him. You could make an argument with him anywhere, almost. You know, he's just – he's been so good. You know, he, he slugs. Uh, he's got, a, he's got a solid slugging percentage, solid on base, you know, which obviously means he's got a solid OPS. And so, um, it's really good. It's really good. Uh, I guess there's, uh, you know, if you want to be critical of Peach, uh, I guess the one thing you can be critical of is there's some swing and miss in there. Um, but as you know, in, in the current day and age of baseball, it's not like he's striking out at an alarming rate. Um, uh, in, in, you know, we're not as concerned about that, especially uh, when you're still still getting on base at, you know, whatever it is, 430 ish. Yeah, yeah, your um, OPS is near 900. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, and I think part of it is we, because we've been productive up and down, 
Um, and even in league games, and that's kind of when we get to this point in the season, I look more at our SEC-only stats than I do our overall stats um, just because it's like competition and kind of uh, gives, gives at least me as the hitting guy a little more understanding of, uh, of, of where we're at. And, and we've been really productive up and down. And so I think if we felt like, you know, there was a big issue that we would probably bounce some things uh, around, but I think he's super comfortable where he's at and he's been productive. Yeah, the only issue is defense, but let's not go there. Okay, so before I preview LSU quickly before I let you go here, um, looking offensively at guys who have earned more opportunity, John Rice is in that conversation, but somebody you've been waiting on and who's coming along now is Hayden Leatherwood. I mean, this is the player that when you're coming in here, you thought middle of the order, he's a guy we need to step in and really pick up the slack left by Tyler Keenan, the loss of production there. We need him to step up and be that guy. And now he's starting to look like that guy. So how huge of a development, it's obvious, but how huge of a development is that to have him be more like the hitter that ended the year last year as one of the very hottest hitters on this team? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. There's the, you know, there's no sugarcoating it. Um, it's, and it's not me, you know, putting any undue pressure on him. Um, it's been, it's been enormous and, and we challenged he and, and, and Baker and Van Cleve, uh, and on some level, uh, Plumlee to, to, Hey, we don't need you guys to be Elko, but we need to step up the production and just like, that's the thing about these guys is they're not dumb. Like they, they know. And so I think it helps just to be honest and get it out there. Um, and I, I give all four of those guys a ton of credit because in their own ways, um, they have started to turn the corner a little bit and, and, and give us some production, uh, specifically, uh, Woody Leatherwood, uh, he's been great. He's been great. And like you said, coming in here, he was a really key piece to that recruiting class as a junior college guy with a ton of production, um, coming in and, uh, just got off to a really slow start. And I think probably pressed a little bit, uh, and, and it's funny when you start to struggle, I think you get to a point where, um, you stop worrying about impressing, uh, uh, with the numbers and you just stop looking at it and it's just, Hey, I'm going to go up there. I know I can't get eight hits in this one at bat. And so I'm just going to be free and easy. And I think he got to that point. Um, and man, his, his, his numbers and production have, have, have kind of taken off at, at a time where we, we really needed it, um, without, El- with Elko going down and, um, man, he's kind of righted the ship and really stretched out our lineup. Um, and we've been really productive. It's, uh, it's, it's really, really good to see. I'm proud of him and the work that he's put in. Is there optimism about Tim potentially hitting by the end of the year? Real optimism, or is this just kind of a hope and a prayer deal? Um, I think if I'm being honest, uh, I think it's somewhere in between those two things. Um, to, I would be, I would be, um, I would be lying if I told you I was completely optimistic. Um, but I, uh, I would stop, I would stop short of saying a hope and a prayer. Uh, I think he's going to get to the point where he gives it a go. Um, whether it gets past the batting cages, um, or not, I don't know. And again, I'm not the obviously medical expert, but, uh, it's just tough. And and he's, it's gotten better. Like to watch him walk around, um, it looks way better. And, you know, so uh, I wouldn't put anything past him, um, but but to say that I'm super optimistic, it just helps me as a coach, uh, and this is a personal thing, it just helps me as a coach if I just tell myself every single day, he's out. Oh, he's yeah, out it's, it's the British That's saying, right. it's, it's the hope that gets you. That's right. It's, and, and so for me to be productive with the available players, minus him, uh, I think I have to tell myself he's done. Like we're not getting him back. Um, and I think, uh, you know, our, our players and this sounds, uh, terrible have to take that same approach also. And I think that's actually helped the, the next man up approach and Hey, he's done. Uh, and then I think, you know, Tim is almost the opposite of, Hey, I just got to go after this thing. Like I'm going to be able to be Kirk Gibson, um, and give, give them, give them something. And if you ask him, I mean, with complete faith, uh, he thinks he'll be back. And that's why I don't, that's why I don't put it past him. And I appreciate um, that. But there's so much more to an at-bat than just swinging. Because, God, it would make me right. just flinch to see him start running and try to dig out a extra base hit. 
I'm not sure there'd be any extra base hits. I, well, <laughs> unless it's unless it's out of the yard. Yes. So I I think uh, I think uh, you out of the slugging equation, you can take out the two and the three. Uh, that it would just be ones or fours for him. You know, I've always talked about a true three outcome player. Yeah, be that. I'm fine. You know, strike out, walk, home run, whatever. Whatever you want to do. That's right. That's All right. right. Last That's thing right. I'll let you so, go. LSU coming up this weekend. What is the scout? What is the eval? And with where this team is, is the calculus different because of the predetermined sites coming May 10th? Is the calculus different? And does that put more emphasis on now with what has happened the last three weekends? Now you've got to do the work against LSU, South Carolina. Now's the time. Now's the push. It's not later. It's now. Right. Uh, we haven't discussed the, well, we haven't discussed, uh, you know, at length, the, the predetermined site stuff. So, so the answer to that is no. Uh, it's just about, you know, going and winning the game on Thursday. And, and I think if you start to look up and think, okay, we got LSU this weekend, and then it's South Carolina – you know, we got Vandy looming second to last. We go to Georgia. If you start, if you, if my experience is if you start doing that, um, you're going to drown. So it's just about keep your head down and swim. And LSU on Thursday, from a league standpoint, is next. Um, and they're an interesting club. Um, their overall stats are okay. They have a really good guy going on Thursday, Landon Marceau, um, who really, uh, Jaden Hill got most of the publicity. Marceau has been their best guy, whether Hill is healthy or not healthy. Um, he's, he's certainly, uh, they're, they're, they're very best. And so we'll have our hands full on Thursday. Um, you know, and that's, and that's the game we're looking at. So we need a good, we need a good, good outing by, by Gunner, uh, against him and, uh, you know, find a way to win at home. And so, um, it's hard to say one takes more importance than the other. The next one's Thursday, so it becomes the most important for sure. An eight-game homestand coming up for you guys. And one thing I've said, and somebody asked this on the message board, I think it was yesterday, effectively, does Mike think about this, 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 and this, and this when making decisions? I just said simply, this is going to sound simplistic, but it's the only way I know how to answer it. He's just trying to win this game, whatever game that is. He's just trying to win this game. Yeah, so thinking about overarching narratives is not the way he goes. Yeah, uh, I hate it. It's really true. I hate it because it's like coach speak. And I, when I come on here, I try to just be like as script on and as honest as I can be, but it's really, really the truth. Uh, yeah. It is like, I just feel like you drown if in our league, if you start looking past, Hey, just find a way to win the game you're in. Um, and I think it's the right approach. I think the teams that start to, you know, look up a little bit, that's when you get in trouble. And uh, you start to you start to falter. So we've been competitive in all 15 games we've been in in, in in the league. It's just about it's just about going and winning that game. Go go win that game. Take that approach. Um, you know, and if you go nine and six over the next next 15, you're in good shape. But you can't look at it that way. It's got to be find a way to win on Thursday. Yeah, just leave it to the dork, the redhead sitting behind his computer screen to worry about that other stuff. Y'all just you go win the game. You know, he's Mike Clement. That's what I'll Miss, do. You, yeah, you, you do that. You, you, let, you let me know who's next. Yeah, that's it. He's Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. I asked you to come on late last week. You agreed to it. I know you didn't want to. So to come on and do this, I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Hey, it's, it's, uh, it's my job, and my job is to be honest, or at least I feel like it is. And so uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy to do it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.